everybody, and welcome to That's Life, the show where sending our kids to sleepaway camp with heavy sweaters really seemed like a good idea at the time. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly or as sweaty as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nahum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by my handy-dandy partner, Avrami. What's up, Avram? How are you? Thank God I am well. This is our pre-Champions Gate show for those people who are keeping track at home. We are, uh, it is Thursday the 25th. Uh, we are pre-recording this show just a couple days in advance because we are, at this time, 2 o'clock Thursday the 25th, uh, probably registering right now at the Champions Gate Conference, the Yeshiva University Leadership Conference in Orlando, Florida. And so we're taking the opportunity just a couple days in advance to give some highlights, introduce the program. Nachum's been highlighting it for the last couple of days and will continue until the start of the program of the uh, of the conference. In addition, we will be broadcasting live Friday morning. Jamie A.M. from the Champions Gate Hotel, the Champions Gate Conference, brought to you by Yeshiva University in Orlando, Florida. As well, we have two additional shows from there, Avram. I know, your eyebrows just raised. You didn't realize that. First of all, um, Daniel Gordon will be uh, this evening, Thursday the 25th, this evening, will be broadcasting live at 8 p.m. His version of the stunt show he'll be hosting tonight um with a very very interesting theme. So for those of you who are Daniel fans and I am a proud member of the Daniel Gordon fan club, make sure to tune in tonight at 8 p.m. and listen to Daniel live from Champions Gate and after JM the AM Friday morning tomorrow morning. Guess what? Mark Zamek is uh trumping table for two. Hello. And uh, Naomi Nachman will have the day off and and uh, Mark will be hosting his own stunt show. So it's a double stunt show brought to you from Orlando, from Champions Gate, in addition to JM and the AM, and I will be behind the scenes. I will not be actually hosting anything. How do you like them apples? I know, not bad, right? You would think that um, maybe I'm on vacation, but no, this is not a vacation. I would often, I often... I thought you were going to be working on your tan. Um, yeah, well, the pasty look is not really going for me, though I will tell you that after our show at Hask... After many, many hours of driving, I came home and took off my shoes and saw a very awkward tan from my sandals, which, um, you know, you know, the expression of farmer's tan? Sort of. Yeah. Like when you have uh, uh, either like T-shirt marks where you're or like if somebody's wearing a tank top and you see that. Right. This was I don't know what you would call this tan, but I looked at my feet and I said, loser. So that's <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. I have two white straps of uh, paler skin across my feet, which uh, definitely screams loser. That's all I can tell you about that. If you are a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what Listener Cena does. Hello, Listener Cena. It was just a shout-out to you because you're so great about posting things for us and being supportive and we just wanted to say thank you. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. I am not being rude. I am being honest, but I will get back to you afterwards. Please also follow us on Twitter, NahumSiegelNet, all one word. Let's do the fortune cookie, Avram. Fortune cookie it is. I think our first guest is on hold. She is not on hold. All right, well, that works out well because then I feel like we can do the fortune cookie now. Ooh, hello, fortune cookie in three pieces. Okay, one second. Here we go. Killing Time Murders Opportunities. Killing Time Murders Opportunities. Wow. That's got some kind of a something going for it. Abram, what do you think? Killing Time Murders Opportunities. That's my fortune. It's unfortunate. I had a rabbi that one time talked about how he, he didn't like the concept of killing time and how he thinks that's a very bad way to look at, because, uh, you know, time is precious, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a long time ago, but... Uh, he didn't like how people had that attitude. They had to kill time instead of making the most of their time. Well, Mark Zomick said to me yesterday, if we always lived our lives to believe that the mic was always hot and therefore we should always keep in mind what we are, um, what we are, what we're saying and what comes out of our mouth. This was like, at we, me, right? <laughs> no, no, no. This was clearly at me. There was, um, that we would all live different kinds of lives. I'm like, Mark. That's beautiful. <laughs> I get like the, the message, Mark. Yeah, I get the we message. all get the message. We all get the message. Anyway, let's do. Uh, so let's take care of some quick business because we do have our first guest on the line. 
National holidays. This week is National Parenting Gifted Children Week. Um, I don't know what it is to uh, having National Parenting of Average Children Week, if somebody made that up. Who knows, but I'm sure somebody has. Captive Nations Week. Yikes. Na- uh, is the National Independent Retailers Week. It is National Zookeeper Week. Avram, to all our zookeeper friends out there, something's happening at the zoo. World Lumberjack Championship, by the way, it's this weekend. I know, some people are at Champions Gate. Some people are at the World Lumberjack Championship. And it's also Garlic Days, which I hope is not the theme of the weekend because then it's going to be one unhappy bunch. Um, today, by the way, the national holiday for today is National Chili Dog Day. I know you like that one. I had a feeling that would be. <laughs> we like to make homemade chili dogs. Really? Yeah. My son, my my youngest son, loves chili dogs. It is, it's quite funny to watch him eat it. It's also Carousel Day. And this is me making, uh, just, just being honest right now, I'm totally dizzied. By carousels, merry-go-rounds. I can't even watch them turn. I know. You'd take a look at me and you'd say, like, wow, she's a big girl. No, in terms like this, she's really pathetic. Anyway, hashtag segment, as we know, introducing a new hashtag every week and see if it sticks. Today's hashtag is Disney without kids. Yep, Disney without kids. Some people go to Champions Gate just for the sessions and the camaraderie and the networking and the great weekend that YU puts on. Um, we go in advance simply because I can ride Dumbo without my children, without carrying a diaper bag. It's really quite, quite fun. Somebody said to me, my mother actually said to me yesterday, she's like, you like going to the parks without the kids? I'm like, I like going more <laughs> without the kids. Anyway, it brings us to our first guest, Javi Becker, joins us on the line. Javi Becker is the assistant director of the Department of Community Partnership at Yeshiva University Center for the Jewish Future. At least she is for the next couple of days because Javi is making Aliyah, returning to our homeland uh, within a few weeks. In this capacity, however, she's engaged with lay leadership from across North America and the globe, working specifically with the Champions Gate community. She received her B.A. in biology from Stern and is currently completing an M.A., in medieval Jewish history at Revel, and an MS in organizational psychology at Baruch College. Javi, I have a feeling that if you came to this studio right now, it would use every one of the classes you've already taken in organizational psychology to get this place going. <laughs> I could try my best. I'm happy to come for a visit. <laughs> it would more like be a consultation, I feel. <laughs> um, the truth of the matter is, is we've definitely made progress in the last couple of weeks. But Javi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Miriam. Yeah, you uh, sleeping at all? I mean, it is a couple of days before Champions Gate, and there's definitely a lot going on. There was a lot going on six months ago. I can only imagine what's going on at this point. Yeah, you know, sleep is not something I have much of right now, but one more week to go, so it's exciting. That is exciting. And as I announced before, you will please God be making Aliyah, which isn't exactly Aliyah because your family's there already. But exactly. you But you will be returning home, living with the family. That's it's It's really quite exciting. Um, and we wish you the best on that. Tell us what this year's 2013 Champions Gate looks like as, compo- as compared to other years. Sure. So I think one thing we're very excited about this year is um, Eli Talks, which mm-hmm. we're doing in partnership with Avi Chai. Okay. Um, Eli Talks are basically something Avi Chai started last year as a Jewish version of TED Talks. Right. So just explain for anybody who's not watched <laughs> a TED Talk. I, know, I don't know who those people are, but somebody hasn't watched the TED Talk out there. So let's just explain what that is. Sure, absolutely. So TED Talks are basically brief 12 to 18-minute presentations about any idea. So it's really people speaking about innovative concepts that they've been working on, things they're interested in, really anything at all, um, in an innovative manner. And the manner and the point or the thought behind it is that you can really get across any message in 12 minutes, and you don't need the full typical amount of time that right. people think you need for a session um, you know, to get your message across. It's a less is more kind of a policy. Exactly. And which is also, by the way, I'm not saying this to be funny, not a Jewish concept. <laughs> not at all. We should teach that to our rabbis. Right. I was about to say, can you imagine how much uh, smoother the drusha would go on Thomas? Um, so, okay, so the Eli talk is the is the Jewish version, so to speak, of the TED. Exactly. Okay, and so how are things being presented this year? So actually, when you do uh, Eli talks, like TED talks, they take place in a live studio, and the talks are filmed on site. So it's actually very cool. They set it up like a black box with a stage and cameras and everything. Um, we're going to be having four UI talks as the opening um, program at Champions Gate on Thursday night next week. And then we'll be having an additional four talks throughout the day on Friday um, during the, you know, the typical program. So after the JM and the AM and after um – Mark Zomick's stunt show. That's when the the TED talk, the uh, Eli talks, and all the other sessions take place. 
Exactly. Exactly. Got, got it. What are some? Uh, who are some of the people who are presenting in terms of the opening ceremonies? The opening ceremonies are going to be Ira Mitzner, the host of Champions Kit, um, Rabbi J.J. Schachter, Dr. Rona Novak, and uh, Rabbi Josh Josef. And what are the what? They, they are four very different people, though three people, three of them, with the exception of Ira Mitzner, actually worked for Yeshiva University. And Ira Mitzner being the host and a, you know, just all-around great guy. Oh, and a real estate entrepreneur and a bunch of other developers, et cetera, developer, et cetera, et cetera. What are they all presenting on? Because obviously we're looking at four different talks. Right. No, absolutely. So actually um, what UI and Avi try to do is to have the talks really be inspiring and contain new content as opposed to just, you know, repeating talks that people have given in the past. Right. Um, you know, one of the things we're working off of this year is this notion of skin in the game um, it, as a, you know, as a thematic element at Champions Gate. And we're having four lands or four categories of programming. It's like um, Epcot, except YU version. Like there's Exactly. There you go. Okay. Exactly. So, um, you know, skin stands for skills, knowledge, inspiration, and networking. Okay. Uh, so each of the talks on Thursday night actually fits into one of those categories. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the topics will be um, specific to each speaker, and, you know, I can share them with you if you're interested. But... No, I'm definitely interested. I would love to, uh, you know, I would love for our listeners, people, again, who have heard us talk about Champions Gate in the past, who are listening now, who want to understand a little bit more you know, it's a, again, it's a slightly foreign concept to hear somebody say, well, we're not regurgitating ideas. We're looking at something fresh. Everybody's, pre you know, presenting something in a 12-minute clip, and they are using those 12 minutes effectively, and they will have a captive audience for those 12 minutes to impart this kind of uplifting message. So what are the four topics? Uh, so Rada Schachter is going to be speaking about I think his talk is officially titled Patience and Process, and he's going to be talking about the process of change and how it's necessary to have, um, to have patience within that process and the importance of that, especially in our very fast-paced society today right. with social media and just, you know, instant gratification and everything that people talk about all the time, kind of taking a step back and looking at what's really important. Um, Rona Novik is going to be speaking about social intelligence as a foundation for Jewish living, and her talk will relate a little bit more to, you know, parenting and right. uh, well, teaching. And many people know Dr. Novik as she is um, one of the most famous uh, psychologists out there and speakers on bullying in schools. Yeah, yeah, she's really a wonderful resource. Correct. Okay, what is Rabbi Joseph doing? Rabbi Joseph is actually speaking about the importance of failure. Um, his talk is titled Failure to Launch, the Upside of Falling Down. Right, which, is, um, which again, is a very interesting concept because so many people look at failure as exactly what that is, like failure, some kind of um, loss on their part, some kind of you know deficit on their part, instead of saying it, well, everyone who's been successful has failed at some point, and if you think that you're not going to fail, you shouldn't even get into the game if we're – if we're getting into that skin in the game kind of a kind of a concept, you have to be able, you have to know you're going to skin your knee. You have to know you're going to fall in order to succeed. Exactly. And then the, exactly. the last the last Eli talk is uh, Rabbi J.J. Schachter. No, uh, I think I did it. The last one is Ira. Oh, sorry, Mr. No, right. Ira. that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so Ira's actually, actually going to be speaking about foundations of building and ah. about, um, you know, his <laughs> life story. Um, and, you know, the building that he's done in various aspects of his life in terms of his, you know, professional career and right. his family and community and, um, you know, his connection to his parents and you know, his parents were Holocaust survivors and kind of tying that in. It's really very, you know, the Mitzners are an incredible story. And Ira's father, David Mitzner, uh, he should live and be well. The, the big joke for the last couple right. of years at Champions Gate has been is that David Mitzner is too busy to get to Champions Gate, and the man is in his early 90s. But oh, his, late 90s. Oh, late 90s. He's in his late 90s, but his dance card, and we're, and for those people who think that we're being sarcastic, we're not. His dance card, thank God, again, he should live and be well, Admeva Estramashana, is so full. He doesn't have time to be at Champions Gate. Exactly. He always says, I'll come next year. Right. <laughs> It's really quite remarkable. The Mitzners, the Mitzners are a wonderful, 
um, a wonderful story. When we were at Camp Hask um, the, a couple of days ago, recording a show from there, we were talking to some, Nachman and I were talking to somebody from Houston, and uh, he no longer lives in Houston. He had made Aliyah, but he was talking about the Mitzners and how their generosity knows no end and how humble they are and how real they are. I mean, there are so many people who are on, in their position who are untouchable, but yet the Mitzners are just very real folk. Yeah, they're really wonderful people. And, lo- and looking at the uh, community participant list, and, and by that I mean the Champions Gate community in terms of the people who have already registered, and I presume at this point registration is closed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but who knows? Somebody just texted me the other day, I'm coming to Champions Gate. I'm like, okay, but, you know, it's in a couple of days. But anyway, <laughs> um, the the participants look, the I should say the locations from where participants are coming seem to be more diverse than other years. Am I reading into this, or am I right, or...? Um, I think it's pretty similar. We do definitely have a lot of people coming from small, out-of-town communities. Right. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, and by out-of-town, you and I are referring to outside of New York. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> sorry, that's a New York uh, right. not comment. I'm not even from New York. <laughs> right. That's ironic. But anyway, yeah, you've been here too long. That's why, yeah. that's why you're going home. Um, <laughs> okay, so there are lots of smaller communities that are being represented. Exactly, and we actually have representation from Israel and from Panama and from Canada, so it should be an interesting mix. And Castleberry, Florida. I don't even know if I could find that on a map, not to offend people from Castleberry, Florida. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, again, like there's something that brings me back to Champions Gate every year are these, are these little niche communities that are so, are importantly, um, members of the global Jewish, Jewish community and serving the needs of Jews outside of the New York area and the metropolitan area in terms of being able to give them the Yiddishkeit even when every corner does not have a pizza store. So it's important that these communities uh, and people represent these communities at Champions Gate because they need to be part of the discussion the same way people from New York do. Exactly. Um, tell me what the, uh, with like maybe a minute left, because I know you're on a very tight schedule and I appreciate you giving us some time. Just tell me, what are you looking forward to the most? And don't tell me when it's over because that means you're making all yeah. But, um, tell me what, in terms of the three days of Champions Gate, what part you're looking at, looking forward to the most? My favorite part of Champions Gate is Friday night, even though I know your favorite part is Suzashi. I was about to say, <laughs> am I, is, who's going to make fun of me now? Okay, yes. For those people who don't know, I sob um, at Sudashlishi during the Oneg afterwards. Let me get that out there. I'm okay with that. But, yes, every time President Joel gets up to speak and talks about his family, I lose it. Okay, anyway, now that that's out there. All right, so you like Friday night. I love Friday night. I really love Kabbalah Shabbat at Champions Gate. Yep. And I just, it just, I, I feel like it's the first time over the course of the weekend that you really feel the full sense of community because Friday everyone's in their different sessions and all over the place and there's great energy and buzz. But Friday night is the first time that everyone really comes together as, you know, a coherent, cohesive community. Um, and I think that's my favorite part. Part of that is also Shim Kramer. Exactly. Yeah. Shim Kramer standing up in front of you, and I'm sure everybody at the RJC feels this all the time or anybody else who's had the opportunity to listen to Shim Kramer, but when Shim Kramer gets up to lead Kabbalah Shabbat, I, I agree with you. Um, it, wa- it, is, it is truly a, a monumental moment. In the last couple of years, he's been uh, flanked, I should say, by either Maccabees or Y-Studs. Is he having a choral group with him this year? Um, not a major one, though I think we definitely have one Maccabees in the group, and there may be another. So we'll have a few helpers. Gotcha. Okay, so um, he's going to have uh, he's going to have linemen, so to speak, get, exactly. getting him on the sides. All right, Javi Becker, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I look forward to seeing you in Florida, and uh, much hatzlacha, and um, I'll, I'll see you there. Thanks, Miriam. Take care, Javi. Bye. You're listening to That's Life. You're on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, joined by my next guest. Rabbi Dr. Gil Pearl is the dean of the Margolin Hebrew Academy Firestone Yeshiva of the South. He's actually going to be joining us at Champions Gate this week and by hosting, I, by us, I say like, I, I'm speaking like we're hosting. But um, I, I guess I sort of feel part of the family there at Champions Gate. So Rabbi Dr. Gil Pearl on the phone right now from Memphis. What's going on? How are you, ma'am? I thank God very well. You know, I could, I could go through your entire bio um, before I ask you my first question on my mind, 
Um, and it probably, even though you've been on the show before, it's, it's probably important for our listeners just to remember that um, for those of you keeping track at home, uh, Rabbi Pearl has a BA from University of Pennsylvania, otherwise known as Penn, with a double major in intellectual history and Asian and Middle Eastern studies. Uh, he has a master's and doctorate from Harvard in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations. By the way, my dad has a PhD in Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations from NYU, but um, we make fun of him for that. I won't do that to you, but we make fun of him for that. Uh, he also received smicha from Reitz and uh, served in, as an instructor of Jewish history in Yeshiva College, was honored as Professor of the Year between 2005 and 2006. He's also served on the administration of YU Boys High School, first as the Director of Admissions, then as the Associate Head of School, before coming to YU, as if that is not enough, Rabbi Dr. Pearl served as an instructor of Jewish law at the Prozdor Hebrew, Hebrew High School in Newton, Mass., and later as head of the Jewish law department. He was also an award-winning teaching fellow at Harvard University. He currently sits on the editorial board of Ha Yidion, the Rabsack Journal of Jewish Education, and the advisory board of Yeshiva University's Institute for University School Partnerships. So, Rabbi Dr. Pearl, when I ask you, why people refer to you as the real deal. And I will tell you, if you haven't heard it to your face, people have said it to me about you a number of times. And talking about Jewish education, you have been referred to me as the real deal. Now, I am not trying to make you uncomfortable, and I imagine that you're pretty uncomfortable now. I'm like, why is she saying this? Because I want to know from you, what do you think it means to be the real deal in Jewish education? Oh, my gosh. You want a minute? You want me to? You want? To, you want like to do a theme song? Why don't you go? Re, why don't you go review the bio again? This should give me five, five minutes. I, listen, it's a tall order, but it, it's a tall order. But I'm not asking you why you think you qualify as that. I'm asking you what do you think it means to be a real deal in Jewish education? Wow. Um, look, I, I think that I think part of part of what's probably motivating comments like that is that. Um, you know, I think over the past few years in the world of Jewish education, there's been this, there's been a tension that I think has been somewhat one-sided. I think we've had a lot of talk about affordability, which is um, incredibly important, and I can't, I can't overstate how important it is. Um, you know, if we're going to do this, it, it needs to be at a level that people can afford to do, or otherwise it's not worth doing. Mm. But, uh, but I think that what's driving that is that I think here we've tried to at least equally as much, if not more so, have a conversation about education um, and about where education ought to go and where, where it's going and how, how we might adjust ourselves you know, to make sure we're there. And I think that you know, amongst educators, for sure, um, you know, it's, it's the talk of, of about education, about the stuff that, you know, the, the, the um, bread and butter of what we do that excites them and that en- energizes them. And, um, and that's, probably, that's probably what it means. It probably means... Um, you know, a, 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 a place that's willing to to really come in with no with no preconceived notions, other than we, we know what our goals are. We know that the types of kids we'd like to be creating. We know the value of of a Torah education and a Jewish life. But uh, but besides that, you know, really uh, putting everything on the table and saying, okay, so so what is it going to take to get there? And and just because we've done something, you know, one way for as long as we can remember, is that necessarily? Right you know, the way that it needs to happen going forward. I think that that's and, a, sorry to interrupt, but I think that that yeah. is a key element in, in moving forward in any industry, but especially in Jewish education, is that there has to be a recognition that just because it's been done a certain way for so many years doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. And that is a re-education, sorry to use it, but that is a re-education of the public. That is a re-education of administrators out there to say, what, I've been a seasoned teacher for 30 years and I've been doing it the same way for 30 years. Now you're telling me what I've been doing isn't right or isn't good enough? And that is, you know, that, that takes, it takes a tremendous amount of strength to look at a seasoned teacher and say, we're not saying it hasn't been good enough. We're saying that now it's time to look at it a different way. Right. Or, or saying to them, um, getting beyond the, the technicalities of what they're doing and first speaking to the, to the essence of what they're doing. Because th- that resonates with them. A good teacher, even if they've been, their, their modalities and techniques are a little bit old, a good teacher understands what it takes, what, what good education is about. Um, and, and if you can if you can get there first and, and let them understand, you know, when, when we're talking about 
iPads in a classroom, mm. right? It, it, it's not about the iPad. The iPad is a is a vehicle, and and quite honestly, there are plenty of places that are you know, could be teaching far more effectively without the iPad. And the iPad, you know, they they bring in the the gadget or the gizmo, which is no different than bringing a pencil or a protractor into a classroom, right. you know, thirty or forty years ago. Um, it, it's a tool, and, and it's all what you do with it. So so some teachers are actually quite justified in saying this is not any better than the way we've been teaching. But the flip side, though, is that there are ways of using it which, which really can enhance the conversation, and that makes all the difference, you know, with, certainly with a veteran teacher, if the conversation is really about education. And you can show them how this is going to enhance what you and I both know we want to be doing with our children. If you can really make that case, it, it's not as difficult, you know, as it may seem to get even some of the more veteran teachers, um, you know, to come on board. But when it becomes about the vehicle, you know, about the means rather than the ends, you know, that, then, it, then, you know, justifiably, they, they, they start questioning and they're saying, is this really what we need to be doing? Are we doing this just so that we can say we've got iPads in the classroom or we've got smart boards in the classroom? Right. Now, and I think that's one of the key pieces to this to this conversation. So I guess it leads to the next question, which is, do you have iPads in your classrooms? <laughs> <laughs> it was just a natural progression. But do you have iPads in your classrooms? Um, so we uh, are, well, we have several different divisions here. Our upper school, so 7th through 12th, um, they use laptops, and they bring their own laptops. They have to bring them every day. Um, so, no, they don't, have, they don't have iPad. I mean, they can bring an iPad if they want. Right. Um, but they're, they're, it's, it's fully one-to-one, and the kids um, bring their own, their own equipment. Uh, this past year we did, um, we, had, we had our first year of um, piloting iPads. We, we piloted them in, in, in fourth grade. Wow. One-to-one, every kid, every kid had them. Wow. Um, and it was a tremendous success, <laughs> a tremendous success. Um, next year it's going to be, God willing, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. <gasps> We're all going to be one-to-one. On, on iPads. That's unbelievable. That's... And, and kids, I mean, you know, it's funny, not haha funny, but my younger son has what we call a fist grip in terms of a pen or a pencil. He does not hold mm-hmm. it the classic way, but he really grips it like he's, I, I don't know, Ki'ilu and whatever, like holding like a knife, like the way you right. would imagine. I mean, that's how he holds it. And he has much more control over the pencil or the pen doing it that way. And every time, and he trusts me, he does enough OT to kill people. But um, it, it takes up so much of his time, and it really hurts him because his, he just, right. his hand doesn't work that way, so to speak. And when he says to me all the time, but I can do so much better the other way, but I know I have to keep up with the party line of, no, this is the way you have to do it. You're not going to be able to write a lot. It's Your hand's going to get stronger this way. And I'm saying to myself, who cares <laughs> if he can't write a lot? Because when he is in fourth grade, He's going to be using a computer or an iPad. It's no longer going to be that adaptive item that some kids are allowed to use. They're all going to do it. And I know that if I write, if I handwrite a mitzvah note one a day, that's more writing than I usually do. Everything I do is typing. So, right. it, you know, it, there's, there's sort of like a, a, a push and pull that we're, we're, we need to move towards technology with kids as young as fourth grade and integrate them fully into that technological world. But we somehow or another have to reinforce the basics. Obviously, I can't have my son, being an adult, using a fist grip the rest of his life. It's just not going It's not going to work. But I also have to be realistic that as we continue to move forward, you know, the, the number of times he's going to have to write in a day is going to be less and less. Right. And that, that's the great challenge of you know, the times we're living in. Is that it, we're in a state of flux. You right. know, we're clearly in some sort of in-between stage where we can begin to see the outlines of where we're going, although, you know, there's, there's no, there's no not, nothing to suggest that the rate of change is ever going to slow down again, no. um, you know, so we're constantly going to be in the state of flux, but, but yeah, so trying to guess exactly to what degree, you know, is handwriting going to be, is going to still be necessary, you know, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, when our, when our youngest kids are out and ready for the professional world. So, it's a, yeah, it's a gamble. It's a guess. We, don't, we can't know exactly. Um, but certainly we can see the way in things which are going. So, so we need to adjust ourselves accordingly. You know, we have this conversation about handwriting all the time. You know, to what degree are right. we should, – should, should this still be part of the curriculum? Um, you know, cursive. 
right. is, a, is, is, a, is a very serious question. You know, <laughs> what is its role? And, you know, it used to be part of a classic education. Should it still be? You know, and given particularly in, a, in an Orthodox day school where we're doing triage, right, because we've got right. less time. So we, we can't afford to be spending time on things that just aren't going to be necessary to our kids' education going forward. I think it was about a decade ago that there was an article in the New York Times that was blasted. Um, about getting rid of cursive in, in the public school classroom and how it's obsolete and how there's no need for it. I, it must have been at least a decade, just around a decade ago. And I remember having a conversation. I was still teaching that, having a conversation um, in a faculty meeting about this and me being one of the only people saying, yeah, let's think forward. And uh, some of the older teachers saying, no, we only write in cursive and homework only has to be done in cursive. Right. And then yesterday we got a letter from my son who's up in Morisha and he wrote in script. And um, it's just funny. I mean, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's going into fifth grade and by just comfort level, he is more comfortable writing in script and he can't send me an email from camp. So just funny getting this letter and seeing it in script and having my other son downstairs using a fist grip. It's just like the the different, you know. It also but, speaks the, to the individuality that we need, with which we need to approach educate, educating each child. For sure. But even there, my daughter's in Camp Shoshanim, and you know, also not not far from Arasha. Um, she sends us emails. <laughs> you know, they, they, <laughs> they let them go to a computer lab, and they, wow. you know, so we don't even get the handwritten uh, letters anymore. So. Oh my gosh! I mean, could you imagine? I, it's. I bought my kids stamps. Like, I'm still at that point. Now I'm listening to you and you're getting emails from your kids. It is yeah. just, it's incredible. Rabbi Dr. Gil Pearl joins us from Memphis. And actually, I'll be seeing him pretty soon, please God, at Champions Gate. Uh, Dr. Pearl, you've been there before, correct? Yes, many times. And what are you looking forward to this year? I know that uh, we just had on Javi Becker. She was our guest on before you talking about the four different lands the skin in the game motto with S K I N N all reflecting different. Um, lands, so to speak, that they're going to be inviting people to um, to visit, uh, again, euphemistically as they explore different topics, etc. But one of the things that I look forward to the most at Champions Gate, um, Javi was joking that I always cry during Shal Shudish, which is true, uh, when President Joel gets up to speak. Uh, if you're look- By the way, if you're trying to figure out who's sobbing, if you hear that in the background during the Oneg, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> uh, it's always me. But um, one of the things I look forward to the most is just the networking. I mean, besides the besides the shiurim and besides the sessions, etc., just the networking, getting to speak to people who do not live in New York, who have so much to contribute, like yourself. I mean, that's what I that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would say that in general, it's the it's the energy. It's um, <clears throat> it's just a sense of reinforcement. You know, it's it's particularly. I think the first time I went, I think I was already in Memphis, but I mean, it was probably my first year already in, in Memphis. Um, but there's just such a different perspective when you come to Champions Gate from out of town versus coming from you know from the New York area because. You know, from from a New York perspective, it's you know, oh wow, you know that you get to diversify, you get to meet people that you don't normally meet. Um, you know, from, I sounded from like ad- a, I sounded like a snob there, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to. That's all right. I didn't I'm mean to make yet. But but from the out of town perspective, you know, especially for our lay leadership, and I think you know, there's no question, Champions Gate is is as you know, it does a lot for professionals, does even more for what. what Presidential likes to call the, you know, the lay kodesh in right. addition to the clay kodesh. But but what it does for for Balabatim from out of town in terms of allowing them, you know, to to meet, talk, hear from people who are in similar situations to them, you know, who are facing similar struggles, sim- similar challenges. It can be so isolating, um, you know, and, and so lonely to a to a certain degree right. in, a, in a small community that really is. I mean, we're an island. You know, Memphis is the, the closest. From communities to Memphis would be, you know, Dallas, Atlanta, or St. Louis. You know, St. Louis <laughs> oh, is the closest. It's a five-hour drive from wow. there. Wow. Um, you know, so even though they have friends in other places, but it's it's different to hear other community leaders talking about their communities and and just um, you know the chizuk that they get hearing. Okay, we're not we're not alone, and maybe somebody else has faced the challenge we're facing now and has some good ideas. They've been there before. You know, right. what can I what can I learn from them? At the very least, can we commiserate together? Right. You know, which is which has value also. Um, so to me, that's a, you know that's a really significant piece of it. The other really significant piece of it, which is always 
I always leave wondering, like, what, how could we do more of this? But, mm. you know, you spoke about the shallow shittas, not crying at shallow shittas. But, but take the whole experience from the, you know, Friday night davening to, you know, through the shallow shittas where you're seeing adults who are well-educated from, you know, involved in their community who are just seem to be moved spiritually in a way right. that we're just not getting yeah. you know, throughout, throughout the year. Um, and so it's, it's a wonderful thing just, just to re-energize, you know, spiritually because, uh, you know, and Rabbi Shachter likes to tell this to young rabbis all the time that, you know, it's, it's some, often it's the people who are in leadership positions who are most in need of mm. religious energy, you know, and re-energizing it. And the, because, because they're seen and people are looking up to them all the time, whether as, again, lay Kodesh or clay Kodesh, that saps even more out of you, you know. So to have the opportunity for you to be uplifted right. um, is really it's so critical. And again, I don't think we do nearly enough of it. But but those two roles, you know, the the just the, the what you call it networking. But for us, I think it's it's beyond that. It's even chizuk and 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 camaraderie that can mm-hmm. be created. Um, and just and the the spiritual, you know high that, right. that's created as a result of the program, I think, are, are invaluable. It's like what somebody said to me once, is that the reason that you put a mask on yourself when the masks come down on an airplane, should you need oxygen, the, you put the mask on yourself before helping others, because if you don't strengthen yourself, you are no good to others. And, that's absolutely true. Yeah, it's a, it, happens to be a great, it happens to be a great metaphor. Now, Rabbi Dr. Pearl, we have like a minute or two left, because I know that you have another appointment, and I appreciate right. your time. Who are you coming to Champions Gate with? Uh, good question. Uh, this year, we will have four of, um, four couples from our community who will be coming. Um, <clears throat> they are uh, David and Tova Cooper and Payson um, uh, and Aileen Cooper. Uh, the Cooper family has been a stalwart of our community for, for a long, long time. Our Boys High School bears their name. Um, and they've been, they, they've been long-time um, Champions Gate attendees. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have with us this year Brad and Shana Summer. Uh, Brad is a graduate of YU, um, and uh, he's a, he, I think he was there last year, was his, I think his first year. Um, but he is uh, he's an oncologist here in Memphis who is getting more and more involved. Um, you know, and the two of them are just they're incredible, incredible people, and also see the value in what YU is doing, um, you know, nationally nice. and want to be a part of it. And perhaps the most exciting part is that we have, uh, we have a couple who's coming for their first time, uh, Dr. Cindy and uh, Dr. Joe and Cindy Weinstein. And for them, this is going to be a totally new experience. You know, they're not from New York. They're not from YU. Uh, this is going to be their first exposure to YU. It's going to be their first wow. exposure to Champions Gate. Uh, it's really, I think, going to be their first exposure to, you know, the Orthodox community on a national level wow. as, a, as a whole. So we're super excited that they're going to be joined with us, and they're just you know, wonderful, wonderful people and, and up-and-coming leaders of our community. And that's really exciting for me, you know, to have them join us and to see what this is all about and, and get the energy themselves and, you know, bring it back to our community. Maybe next year you can bring the finers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that Alyssa needs a break. There's, uh, there's one more question I have to ask you, and then I'm really going to let you go. Am sure. I right that your wife is the assistant principal? <laughs> yes. yes, but but like, they need to be qualified. The way, the way things are set up here is we have a principal for each division. So I have an early childhood director, a lower school principal, an upper school principal. And then my wife is, in addition to teaching AP Psychology and Tanakh, she also is an assistant principal to each for each of the divisions with a very specific portfolio of student support and professional development. Well, kol kavod to you guys, because I, I can tell you that my in-laws work together. They go into work in one car, they work together all day, they go home in one car, and I completely don't understand it. And every time I have to use space in my husband's office, like I'm working from the island, I look at him at the end of the day and go, yeah, this would never work. So <laughs> so really, kol kavod to you guys. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of days at Champions Gate. Have a safe and easy flight. And uh, please introduce me to these newcomers. I will, I will be on my best behavior, I promise. <laughs> okay. I don't know about Ira, but... Uh, yeah, well, well whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rabbi Dr. Gil Pearl, thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Live here on the Nahum Siegel Network. I am very excited about introducing my next guest. He is uh, 
not your typical guest here at the Nachum Siegel Network, but I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more from him and of him very, very soon. You see, Nisim Black, Nisim Baruch Ben Avraham, was formerly known in the rap world as D. Black until he had a change-of-life experience that brought him to Judaism, and he joins us on the air right now. Nisim, hello. Hello. How are you? How, how's Seattle? Ah, uh, it's beautiful actually right now. It's great. It's, you know, clear skies, kind of. When, you know? while the rest of the country has been experiencing a crazy heat wave for, uh, <laughs> they, people have been, people have been noting that the Northwest, especially Seattle, has had a gorgeous uh, summer. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's been gorgeous so far. I, I don't, no complaints. So I have but to say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say myself, though, I'm really a winter guy, though, you know? <laughs> and so, so while the rest of Seattle is enjoying this, I miss, I miss my, you know, I like, I like a cup of hot, hot chocolate. I like to <laughs> snuggle up by a fire, you know? It's easier to get warm than it is to, to be cool, especially in a place that's not uh, familiar with heat. Well, There's no AC, you know? Right, you guys are so. pretty crunchy out there without your <laughs> AC. <laughs> <laughs> I will right. I will tell you, I was just thinking about it the other day because it's been schmoiling in Manhattan. I was just thinking right. about the other day how I can't wait to put on a pair of boots and a sweater. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait for that. Anyway, <laughs> Nisim, you have a phenomenal story. And I know that you recently performed at Sasquatch, which is a huge music festival in Seattle. And right. and um performing with your yarmulke on as you rap on stage has gotta be has <laughs> gotta be pretty unique for the audience at Sasquatch. No, most definitely. I mean, I think the the biggest thing is it's it's hard keeping the sucker on, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, especially me, I'm very very uh, you know animated when I when I perform. Got it. And so just trying to keep it on and not for it to fall off into the audience, and then you know they'll think it's a souvenir. Right. I was about to say usually they throw things on stage. <laughs> 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 right, right. So let's talk right. about let's talk about your journey. How did you get to where you are right now? Uh, you know, it was a series of events. I can't say it was one single thing, but I think the the biggest one was um, uh, experience I spoke about on H dot com about uh, you know a good friend of mine. You know, you know in this in this in this hip hop world and in this world and the way I grew up, you know, it was very very uh, very very street. You know, I, I grew up seeing things that I don't think you know. The, the average parent wouldn't want to wouldn't want to expose their child to. Got it. And so I kind of grew up with that in my frame of mind. So naturally, what happens in those type of environments, you end up around those type of people. Those end up being your friends, and and so mm-hmm. um, I found myself um, in a situation when I was about 18 years old, and uh, 18, 19, maybe at this point, maybe even 20. I think I was 20. This is right, right, really close to 2008 is when I started uh, studying Torah. But I. Uh, I was I was with a buddy of mine, few few of my guys, and you know the word had had hit at least the internet, you know, wasn't as popular that this other rapper had said something about me in one of his songs, and I, I just wasn't the guy to give you know uh, this guy his street cred by you know making another record and going back at it. I just wasn't with that, you know what I mean? Especially the guy that it was, and at the time and where my head was is just like this guy, he's not really cut like that to make a record. That that's gonna speak, you know. He's gonna say something disrespectful. That's just not what type of person he is. So he he he's really he's stretching himself. So my mentality at the time was like, man, I'm gonna go see him. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. And so um, we ended up finding out where he was at, and we went to the to the to the to the club where he was at, and uh, we got into an altercation and stuff. But one thing about my crew at the time, like I said, in that type of environment, was very overprotective of me because I wasn't. Uh, I, I still was, I was a non-confrontational person. I still am. And so for them to see me that upset, you know, wow. they wanted to take matters into their own hands. One of my really close friends um, at the time, he went up uh, to the club shortly after us. You know, this is after we already left. The altercation was over. I, I had left. I guess the other guys had, had stayed there, and uh, he went up and started shooting up the nightclub, really trying to, to, to take this guy's life. And, you know, just the mentality in the streets is you don't know, you know, after something like that, whenever you bring in, when it, when it moves beyond the fist, right, you know, which, which happens more and more today, and, and gunplay gun comes in, you don't know if they're going to try to take you out next time, you know what I mean? You see, then you really don't know the, the, what, what I was afraid for my life, really. And uh, it was during that time 
that I really started to reflect and start thinking, man, who do I have around me? Who am I? You know what I mean? Wow. And knowing the person that went did that, he's a very individual, uh, uh, intelligent individual. So, uh, he, I mean, it's just, it's just his lot. That's the, that's the way he was raised. That's the way what, what he was exposed to. But uh, it's just, I, I had to really start thinking. You know what I mean? At the time, I think me and my girlfriend, who's my wife now, we were pregnant with uh, with our with the baby on the way, and I just started. I had some time. I got away from everybody, and I started really reflecting. One of the things that that happened to me was the questions started to rise that I had while I was in Bible study as a kid and all that. So it was really spiritual for me. I did a lot of praying and a lot of soul seeking, and then uh, and then uh, the searching happened, and that's what led me to Judaism. That's unbelievable. You know, it's funny. You're telling us. You're telling me this story, and it really sounds like something you would see on TV. That something right. that I would watch on TV that I've seen in the movies, but I live a, I, you know, I've lived a pretty sheltered life, I guess you could say, and I, I may, I may just go out there on a limb and say a lot of our listeners have lived similarly sheltered lives. So the fact that you right. are talking about something that is real life to you or was your real life is really an yeah. eye-opening experience considering where you are right now. Right, right, right. So no, you absolutely. and, so you brought your wife into the conversion mm-hmm. process, she was your she was mm-hmm. your girlfriend at the time. You were studying Torah. You were becoming a believer, and right. and I read in the H dot com article that she was she was hesitant. You know, she wasn't mm-hmm. she wasn't coming in. You know, listen, as I say, there's a reason we don't proselytize. This is a this is a heft, you know, it's a hefty responsibility. But she Absolutely. she studied with you, and you both became both became involved, and then she convinced her sister and her husband. Right, right, right. So, so what was so interesting, it, we have a very, very weird situation. It's more on this wedding. Me and um, Yosef, we grew up, uh, we're, we're best friends since we're five in kindergarten. So that's the real story. Me and him were really close. Um, we got separated, you know, middle school years, and then we reunited. Uh, you know, right when we got in high school, we found out we both were involved in music, you know, apart. So naturally, we're going to get together. And I was already dating my girlfriend for a couple of years at the time. And uh, so more, he started coming around and, you know, talking to my, my sister-in-law, you know. And uh, so that's sort of how they hooked up. Now, we got we got married shortly after, you know, this, this transformation started happening with me. And I didn't really let her know at the time. And then I kind of just sprung it on her. It was like, you know, I sat it down with her and said, I, I'm giving up Easter, Christmas. Uh, and for her, that was so... You know, and loving the religious aspect of it, that was her family time. Her and her family that was so close. And, and I mean, I would always be there, you know. So for her, it was just sort of like, what happened? This guy just became a Muslim. And, you know, so <laughs> you know, she didn't know. Right. She had no idea. I had books on the table for several hours and, and really just, like, focused. And she just had no idea. She was just happy I had a Bible, but she didn't really, she didn't really know. Right. So, little, little did she know. Right? Yeah, little did she know. Right? Exactly. And, and so what I did was I challenged her before she divorced me <laughs> to, <laughs> to learn with me. You know, I told her, you can go at your own pace. You can learn. You know, this. I'm just going to show you information that I found out. And and she, the more and more she started learning, it's like, wow, it was really eye opening to her. She felt like she had been lied to, you know, her whole entire life. You know, wow. I felt that a, a, a little bit. But for her, she just felt like everything was a complete lie. And wow. then she grew up this way. And so what happened was she started talking to her sister. But her sister was very, very receptive of it. And uh, she was dating Yosef at the time. And, uh, and, and you know, I was putting bugs in his ear, and she was. And he was really, you know, deeply in love with her. Uh, and the more and more he, I mean, it, it just sort of happened like that, that we're here we are, us four, thinking we're the only people on planet Earth that just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It was uh, yeah, quite quite amazing. Uh, amazing yeah, but, that yeah. is that is an unbelievable story. And then tell everybody about your wedding because you know it was a pretty unusual wedding in terms of there was a double a double chasana, a double wedding sponsored right. by and supported by the entire Seattle Jewish community. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. You know, so, somebody had said to me. <laughs> he said, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, he said, you know what I try to do my uh, my bar for my for my children, you know, uh, I try to unite the whole community. You know, he said, I want to have everybody there. And uh, he said, here you guys come from the outside in, and you had everybody there. You had Sephardim, Ashkenazim, uh, Hasidim, Apikorosim. Every- <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said to me. You know, it was like everybody was there. And you know what? It, it was that. So, so the way that happened was, 
when we we all had gotten married, you know, on our, you know before before Judaism happened, um, and so we had just you know two people there, just you know enough people to witness it and say, you know, I think my father married us, and it was just like you know, we're just to basically get it done, you know what I mean? We we were unsure, we were in that messianic age because I dabbled in that, so we didn't really have a a place or anything. We just didn't want to be in a church, wow. right? And so we just kind of like did this private little wedding, and nobody was there, no family really, you know, apart from my father. Mm-hmm. I think the same for them. My uh, my father-in-law married uh, uh, Hannah and stuff. So it was sort of like we had these private weddings. And so when uh, here we are, uh, you know, close to to, to finishing a Beirut, and and people were saying like, okay, how are you guys gonna end? We're just kind of like, oh, I don't know. We're just gonna get married the same way we did last time, you know. Come, and, and, you know, I think it was uh, Beth Balsamy here in Seattle. This was like, no, you guys are not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing about Seattle, the thing about Seattle that I don't, you know, I don't know that everyone appreciates is that it is one big happy family. Right, right, right. Exactly. It is. It is. And and there were just people that were just like, absolutely not. There's no way you guys are about to have this. You know, uh, all the all the uh, the sometimes that you guys have brought to the community and how how much people love you. They said, no way, we're not letting that happen. So everybody else went out on the limb. I think Beth was the one she really spearheaded this and was like, no, we're gonna give you guys the wedding of your life. And she did just that. I mean, the wedding was so it was so amazing. That's I incredible. I mean, there were there were people coming. I mean, the food, the 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 design, and the way you know. I, it was just, it was completely, it was beautiful. We danced hours and hours and hours. And we put together the music. They caught, they said it turned into a safari nightclub. We got every <laughs> single tune that we could, you know, and, awesome. and then, you know, it was, it was really beautiful. And, and, and I think, you know, what was that, the, the, the icing, you know, I, I guess on the, on the cake was the next day when I woke up, it was so fun. My wife was screaming, screaming. At the top of her lungs, I went upstairs and I said, "Hey, what's wrong?" She was like, "That was so much fun!" <laughs> <laughs> she was still screaming the next day. I That's was just great. Like, wow. That's was amazing. How has the how has the rap world embraced you as Nisim? Right. I, you know, I think it's one of those things. I'm still finding that out. You know, um, I don't really know. Here, here, here I am. You know, set to release a, another record. I haven't released a record since 2009, and so. Um, Looking at it, you know, when I just went and played Sasquatch, I was, it was, they were very receptive. I think I did one show before that on somebody else's bill just to warm myself up for, you know, to be back on the stage. You know, it had been a few years, you know, since I've been on stage. Right. And uh, the crowd, they just were so receptive. Like, it was, it was amazing. This is all new material that I'm performing. You know what I mean? I don't know how people are going to take it. It sounds different than, 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 the, uh, than my, my older material. So I, I really didn't know what to expect, but as far as the fans, I've, I've got nothing but love. Um, I haven't been in, in the same circles. I approach everything different now because, I mean, obviously my, my point of reference, especially when I go out, is from a place of Kedusha. How involved am I going to be in this world and in, in, in the hip-hop world? So I, I'm not really, quite frankly, around everybody as much as I used to right. to really know how they feel about it. Right. But from what I've gotten from some of my peers, you know, at least here locally um, in, the, in the city, it's, it's been nothing but love, and people have been happy to see me. Um, you know, I was in a grocery store, and I swung on, I seen one of my guys that was from the, uh, you know, from, from the old days. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> from, from the old days is right, right. yeah. <laughs> right, right. And he, uh, and he said to me, he said, man, you just look healthy, you beaming wow, right now. He's like, nice. you're beaming, and I'm so, like, excited to see you you know what i mean that's and, amazing and I, that's all you know and that's and for me you know i sort of took that as a you know that's the approach well i, I think, think nisim uh, i have to i have to interrupt you because we only have a minute left and i want to ask you one <laughs> final question I, first of all i hope you'll come back when you release that album we'll be able to play some okay. of your tracks on the air we'll definitely get some of that going but the Absolutely. rumor has it is that you grabbed rabbi ben zaken and put him on the stage with you at sasquatch <laughs> true or that's- not true that is true. Oh. That is true. In fact, I'm playing another big festival here in Seattle called the uh, Capitol Hill Block Party, and he's also going to be performing with me there. That's yeah. that's yeah. out of this world. That's incredible. Well, this Sim Black, you can find him on Facebook. You should definitely become his friend. I am already excited to be his friend, and I can't wait to hear more and more exciting adventures of Nisim. Much Hatzlacha to you. You should continue to 
feel the kedusha through your music and to spread to spread everything, spread the love, spread Judaism through everything you do. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nisim. Take care. All right, have a good one. You too. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My God, am I smiling. What a good guy. Uh, let's go through the lineup, right, Avram? Yeah, I'm feeling it. All right, I'm doing this quickly. I'm doing this quickly. Anyway, the return of Something to Talk About with Randy Wartelski follows this program. Do not miss it. Followed by, of course, Ellie Hagler at 5, Michael Fragan at 6, Thursday Night Extravaganza at 7, 8 p.m. We have a live stunt show from Champions Gate hosted by Daniel Gordon. Tune in. You do not want to miss it. You should just stay on the stream all through the night. Go through till tomorrow because you know JM and the AM tomorrow morning is live from Champions Gate, 6 to 9 a.m. You want to hear everything that's going on with Yeshiva University. And, of course, the State of the University Address brought to you by Presidential at just around 8 a.m. Malcolm will not be on from Champions Gate, followed by a 9 a.m. stunt show. We are giving Naomi the week off. And Mark Zamek will be hosting the stunt show tomorrow morning, 9 to 10 a.m., also from Championsgate. Check on the whole programming schedule on our website, NahumSiegel.com. NahumSiegel.com. I don't know why I just garbled that one. Avrami has Saturday Night Siegel. Matze Shabbos. Matis has JM Sunday. There's so much going on. You don't want to miss it. My thanks to Avrami. It has been a long, long day. Thanks to Avrami for engineering today. And for giving me this uh, track to play. It's going back to 2008. I leave you with Yiddel's Lev Echad off of the album of the same name. I guess uh, I guess that's our feeling from today's show. A little Champions Gate, a little Nisim, and a whole bunch of Lev Echad. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend, everybody. That's life. Bye, guys.
Yeah. 